Happy Wear Red Friday here on the EP Podcast. Remember, everyone deployed, R-E-D, Wear Red. Make sure you join me in Wear Red every single Friday to remember those who are deployed and uh, give a, a little nod to our military. Appreciate all they do each and every day for us here and abroad. Uh, that was a really cool flyover F-35 demonstration yesterday from Hill Air Force Base uh, all the way down to St. George. I'm back around to uh, salute the medical workers and first responders here in our community for all they're doing and have done and continue to do for uh, us against the in the fight against coronavirus. Just seeing those F-35s, man, it gets my heart pumping. It makes me uh, tear up a little bit, if I'm being frank and honest with you. Uh, I love, that's I sent this out on Twitter, uh, I, my favorite thing about growing up in Layton was being right there every single day, seeing and hearing the sounds of freedom, as my grandpa would call them, uh, th- those jets flying over and doing their routines and doing their work in the skies above us. And uh, we, we got to see that firsthand in force uh, in, in, uh, in a tribute flyover yesterday here in the Salt Lake Valley and surrounding areas. So uh, really cool and uh, appreciate everything that uh, the first responders and medical workers are doing in this country and everywhere else to fight against this nasty, nasty thing. And things are looking a little better. Here in Utah today, May 1st, we went from red to orange or uh, high to moderate risk. And uh, the governor says that that's probably going to last through the summer and into the first part of fall. We're going to be on the orange status. So uh, good news is progress. We need to make sure it's I don't it's not we don't want to be slow progress, but we want to return to activity slowly enough that we don't landslide back into red. And so uh, everyone, uh, personally me, I'm going about it almost as though nothing has changed. I might get some uh, a, a little more takeout or whatever here and there than I was previous to this, but not much is going to change. I'm, I'll see some family members more often than I have been recently, but not, pretty much I'm going to stick to the same stuff because I just I do not want to slide backwards, man. Uh, there's some thoughts that the uh, virus might come back and force in the colder uh, respiratory illness months, and that's something we don't need or don't want to happen. So let's keep us going on the right track. Got a lot to talk about on a Friday. Uh, Frank Layden was on the big show, gave us a pep talk, which I thought was really cool and really needed for everyone. We'll hear, you'll hear a bit of that coming up in a moment here on the EP podcast. Uh, Mark Cuban has uh, been assigned to the president uh, task force on how to reopen business here in the country, when and how to go about it. He'll hear some of his thoughts on that and what he feels is uh, what he feels about the return of the 2019-20 NBA season, when or if that will happen. LeBron James also responded to those comments, or along with those comments. Uh, I've got some news and notes from Dennis Dodd, who was on with Hanson Scotty and had some interesting things to say. Uh, and one of the most insane uh, levels of grudge or uh, competitiveness, rather, that I have seen from a professional sports coach in a long, long, long time, if not ever, to the point where he spent something that his team coveted, or, or not coveted, but uh, held dearly, just went ahead and spent it to make sure that another team was not able to get what they wanted. We'll tell you about that and so much more. But let's start with the NBA stuff, because for me, I think that is technically the, the biggest story here right now. When, if, 
when and if the NBA will be returning. We talked yesterday about the possibility of the uh, Disney World situation down there at the Epcot Worldwide World Wide World of Sports, whatever it's called, EWWS, housing the the teams there, playing the games out there, in more or less of a bubble city where it's isolated. It's gonna obviously the things that need to happen for that to take place are more rapidly resulting tests, more rapidly available tests, and those that come with rapid results will need to be taking place before we start giving them to uh, sports teams, but. We seem to be on that track. Hopefully that comes around sooner than later. But let's talk about uh, what Mark Cuban had to say. He was on CNN's Now This and had some comments about uh, coronavirus, its impact on the NBA, and the economy and country overall. And I thought these were really uh, positive, encouraging comments from a, a guy who's worth $4.3 billion who runs businesses every day. He's not an amazing angel of a person. I don't think he's the best role model out there. But if you're looking for business success, this is a guy you should probably be listening to. Uh, He's, you know, I I watch that show Shark Tank, and I don't know what is or isn't scripted on that show, but he seems to be a a, a shark. Seems to not care about feelings. He cares about the, the money situation first. And if we're trying to rebuild our economy... It's, you, might want some, you might want to listen to some of the things a guy like he has to say about it. But he also, in this interview with CNN, showed uh, his human side, too, in, in saying that people need to hang on to their employees as long as they possibly can and why. But let's talk about first what his comments were about the uh, return of play for the NBA and why he, what he's feeling about that possibility. Uh, he was asked if he's feeling positive or negative, more optimistic, pessimistic, What's he feeling uh, about the return of play for the NBA and a possible finish to this season? Safety first. Once we can determine that we can keep the players and all the important personnel that are required to put on a game, um, then we'll certainly look at all the options. Um, and, you know, I'm op- cautiously optimistic we'll be able to finish the season. Um, for television, I don't expect that we'll have fans. Seems like good news. Uh, it seems like now we've talked before on the podcast that there's conflicting reports and ideas out there. Seems to me that about half the board of governors, owners, and CEOs of these teams are feeling great and optimistic and, and thinking this is going to happen. The other half are like the Warriors are thinking it ain't going to happen and we're folding shop right now and we're just going to head into the offseason. Uh, we'll see. I like the optimistic, positive, hopeful thinking. I think you have to think in that way until the door absolutely is slammed shut and locked. Uh, if Until then, there's no point in being negative uh, like, uh, like the Warriors, frankly, and just calling it a day when you don't have to yet. There's still some hope. And you know what? If they're <laughs> Here's a hot take. If they come back and play the rest of the NBA season somehow... And I know the Warriors would not be involved in the po- in a postseason situation, but if they play any regular season games, the Warriors are not invited. They're not allowed to play. That's the rule. <laughs> but obviously, that's a little harsh. All right, so there's Cuban. Safety first, he said. Don't expect fans to be in the crowd, but TV can carry the day and get that to our homes and our sports bars and wherever else you take that in. All right. He was then asked this question by the CNN host about possibility uh, numbers. Give us a number, Mark. What do you think the numbers say about the possibility of a return for the NBA? Well, that's telling. So more than a 50-50 chance the NBA restarts the season? 
I mean, I, I hate to put odds on it, but again, like I said, I'm, I'm cautiously yeah. optimistic. But you know what? This virus isn't giving us any information to help. There's a wise guy right there. Do not say, don't don't throw out a number. He originally, when this whole thing started back in March, he threw out a number uh, of the mid. I think he said the start of May. Uh, or, or the middle of May, I think he said the middle of May, May 15th. He just threw that out there against the wall. Now, he could still be right. We're on May 1st right now. That's 14 days away. That's two weeks from now. Who knows? But it's a little better idea to not give a time stamp on when you think things are going to happen. Just reiterate, feeling positive, feeling optimistic, but people have got to stay uh, doing the social distance, washing their hands, don't touching their face, wear the mask, wear the gloves, make sure we're doing what we need to be doing so that this thing can come back around. Now, as for the economy, the economy uh, has been, uh, other than death, that's the worst part of this virus, the economy, obviously. Uh, people losing their jobs, when you lose your job, you don't have money, you can't pay your bills, let alone go out and spend freely and buy other things and the economy grinds to a halt. Well, as a $4.3 billion net worth person who owns many companies, Mark Cuban said the economy, jump-starting the economy, it starts with paying people more. You think we're going to come out of this with a more compassionate capitalism, right? And for you guys, continuing to pay the arena workers that would have made money if games were going on for the Mavs. What is compassionate capitalism? And are enough other CEOs on your same page in this? We need consumerism. We need people spending money in order for that to happen. You can't do top down. You've got to do bottom up. And that means taking care of your employees, paying them a little bit more, keeping them on the payroll as long as you possibly can, being innovative and, and really pivoting where you need to for this, this new America 2.0. And do I think CEOs will do that? Yes. Out of necessity, out of self-interest, they'll have to. Because if there aren't enough people working and spending money, we have no economy. Ah, uh, yes. Good, good advice, I think, for Mark Cuban. If you want people to spend money, you got to pay them money. Uh, now, what happens when you can't afford to pay your people? You lose them. You furlough them. You, you, they lose their job. They go on unemployment. It opens up a whole new thing, and the government steps in and offers some loans. Now, the whole small business loan thing has been a, a, a joke, uh, an absolute circus. And Mark Cuban, I think, nailed why it's been an absolute circus, and he used the example of the Los Angeles Lakers to point out why it's been a circus. Mark, the LA Lakers, um, valued at $4.4 billion, the second most highly valued team in the league, applied and got a $4.6 million PPP loan. They paid it back, but the Treasury Secretary called that outrageous. What do you call it? I call it a lack of communications from the Treasury Secretary, and I'm not trying to defend the Lakers. I'd say this about any company. When we went into this, um, the perspective was there'd be plenty of money for small businesses. And look, the Treasury is the one who set the limit to 500 employees. They should have set it to 50 or 100 for the first couple tranches. But they set it to 500, and they knew that companies with 500 were, um, or less employees were going to get hit badly by the COVID. So why wouldn't they apply? You know, good for the Lakers and other companies. Once they recognized that the Treasury hadn't allocated or where Congress hadn't allocated enough money to give the money back. Look, this is a moving target, and the Treasury has not done a good enough job communicating and, and adapting. They absolutely should have num uh, lowered the number of employees for those for those loans. I don't know about 50, I don't, but uh, 500 is too many. Uh, and that's easy for me to say. I don't own a company that has 500 employees. But I know a lot of people who own companies that had to fire their people 
and they had like 10 to 30 employees, and they should have been the first in line for these loans, not people like the Los Angeles Lakers. And Cuban said he wasn't defending the Lakers. He kind of is. And even though the Lakers, you can say it's a moving target, and the secretary, the Treasury Secretary didn't say they couldn't apply for this, the Lakers should know better. Come on now. For some reason, it reminds me of like that old sitcom situation, or, or maybe you did this in your own life back in the day where you want to go out with your friends, and so you go to one parent and you say, hey, can I go out this uh, Friday night with my friends and, and do this and that? And the parent says, it's okay by me, but make sure you run it by the other parent. And then you go to the other parent and say, uh, hey, dad said I can do this, uh, so I'm going. You didn't tell the whole story to the other parent. You didn't say, Dad said I could do this if you are also on board with it. That's It reminds me a little bit of that. Or or if your family has a rule that you go, you can go out one night of the week, uh, uh, one night on the weekend, and uh, you, you go and you say, hey, can I go out with my friends this weekend? And they say, sure, and you go out Friday night, and then Saturday night rolls around, your friends want to go out again, you go out, and you come home, and your parents are like, where were you? And you're like, well, you didn't say I couldn't go out this night too come on you know better you are in a better situation the los angeles lakers than mon pa sandwich shop in encinita come on you know don't do this don't be applying for stuff that you have no business applying for i know they didn't spell it out and yes cuban is right in saying that they really mishandled it munchen or whatever his name is he really mishandled you've got to spell these things out otherwise people will take advantage but i'm not about to sit here and defend those people that did take advantage of the loopholes that were uh, built in be it on purpose or not that's a whole nother discussion but mark cuban you're right you got to be more uh, communicative and you've got to be more clear on who should be allowed to apply for these loans, and maybe that number of payroll should have been a lot lower than 500. Finally, this from Mark Cuban, talking about he has been, uh, he's now been placed on uh, President Trump's, uh, he's now been placed on Trump's uh, advisory council to the White House on uh, giving them advice on how to and when to reopen the business, the country for business. And here's what he had to say, talking about the White House's response to his advice that he's been giving them. We've had good success with restaurants offering pickup and delivery. Why not extend that to every single business in the country? It's worked well so far. That's the way to get open because using the way using the word open is kind of a misnomer. You're not going to be fully open. You're not going to be like it was six months ago. And so let's let's adapt as opposed to just rushing to things. So they've been responsive. So I give them credit there. We'll see if they actually use the information. Seems like solid, good advice uh, for me there from Mark Cuban. It's not a full reopen. It's a cautious reopen. It's a baby step towards the, the end goal. But it's enough of a step that if you do it right, people will spend money. They'll feel safe. They'll be safe. They'll come out. They'll spend money at your shop, your your uh, restaurant, your whatever, the movie theater, wherever. Uh, as long as the social distancing thing is adhered to. And it will just snowball from there in a good way. The fire will grow. My feeling, though, is... Kind of, you could kind of hear it in Cuban's voice, in my opinion, that he said, "We'll see what they do with this advice." My feeling is this administration is more want to tell people we're but we're open for business, without telling you the fine print that they're open for business with caveats and rules in place. That's why I've liked how the the governor 
and the state of Utah has handled this quote-unquote soft reopen to business as we move from red to orange. They've been very clear, in my opinion, about this is a, this is a step in the right direction. But if we're not careful, if we don't adhere to these guidelines and strict rules, it could slide back to red real quickly. Uh, and before we move on from this subject, LeBron James, the the voice of the players in the NBA. I know that Chris Paul is the Players Association president, but when LeBron James speaks, it's it, it, it's a lot louder. His megaphone is a lot bigger and louder than any other player in the NBA. And he responded on Twitter saying, I saw some reports about exec- executives and agents wanting to cancel the season. That's absolutely not true. Nobody I know says saying anything like that. As soon as it's safe, we would like to finish our season. I'm ready and our team is ready. Nobody should be canceling anything. And then he does a very LeBron James thing. And puts a little crown emoji because <laughs> he's King James, whatever. It's, but when the number one preeminent player in the world says that it's not even a thought to cancel it, that's a good sign. That That is terrific because the NBA needs LeBron James to be on board. And if LeBron James is going rogue away from the NBA, that's not good for business. What I'm saying is LeBron James saying this means the NBA is also still believing that this thing can and will return in some shape or form and finish out the 2019-20 season. Yes, it will always have an asterisk next to it because I believe it will. It's obviously going to be a shortened season. If they finish the regular season at all, will be interesting enough. It'll only be a handful of games at most. Then they'll dive right into postseason play. Someone will win the title, but there will always be that asterisk uh, next to it. Even, even a bigger asterisk than the short shortened season where the uh, the uh, Spurs won the NBA title in, what was that, 98-99, 66-something uh, games. There's a little asterisk there. There was a short lockout shortened season. This will be a bigger asterisk because it, so many teams are going to be at a disadvantage as their situations in their state does or does not allow them to work out individually or as a group. Whereas other teams in other states, it will be allowed. It's it's fascinating. So, But good news. Mark Cuban with good news. The NBA with good news. LeBron James with good news. And Sam Amick, once again, doubled down, tripled down now on the big show on Thursday, said his sources around the league are still very optimistic that this uh, NBA season will be finished and they will crown a champion. And boy, we need that so badly. So badly we need that. Not as a selfish uh, thing. I need that for my job. I need not that we don't have anything to talk about or cover. We're we're actually leaving stuff off the table every day that we don't get to. There's so much to talk about. We're having no problem filling content and finding things to discuss. It's just so much better for the business of things when uh, when you've got good friends and colleagues that have sat next to you uh, for a decade plus, and suddenly uh, two we- less than two weeks after. Uh, the the uh, Oklahoma City incident, they're gone from the business. Boy, that strikes you. That hurts you. It hurts your heart. And I know it hurt the heart of those that had to make those decisions deeply. And uh, what can avoid that? What can help that be avoided? Basketball. Playing basketball. That is how we can avoid that. And so we need this to happen in the worst way. And uh, if they can, please do it safely, but do it absolutely do it that's my that's my opinion anyway speaking of do it 
Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports was on with Hans and Scotty G on, I want to say this was Thursday afternoon, and he talked about the situation with college football and where their current, what the current landscape looks for that. Spring ball, obviously, gone. Uh, pro days, gone. Uh, and now we're rolling into May. You got June and July. They would be doing some summer workouts uh, here and there. They're not going to have that. Uh, and the season begins in August. That's that's how college football works. We are we are just two short months, technically three, because we're just starting May, but three months away from the month that college football kicks off in. Uh, boy, it doesn't look awesome right now for a college football season to begin on time, no problems asked everywhere around the country, because there are so many schools in so many different states across the entire. Uh, broad landscape of the United States of America and there's different rules and restrictions in each and every one of those cities and counties and states that those schools and stadiums reside in. That's what Dennis Daw was talking with Hans and Scotty about. Uh, Hans started out by asking him, if there's no students on campus, can there be football players on campus? Here's what Dennis Dodd had to say about that. There, there are scores of schools right now um, that are saying they plan to um, so, so much stronger language than that, but I think they're putting in that qualifier because who knows what's going to happen before Labor Day weekend as far as, you know, things spiking, um, you know, another outbreak somewhere, a hot spot. I think a lot of schools are planning on doing it, which is really, that's the indicator of whether we're going to have to play football, uh, play football. Because the, the vice president was told in a conference call to commissioners last week no students on campus, no football. In other words, these guys can't be human shields. They can't be mercenaries. If it's not safe for the students, why are we saying it's safe for the players? Uh, even though it's a reduced number, it'd be about 200 people in the stadium, I guess. Uh, but, you know, that's the thing. That That's the first step they have to get through. There are, I, I, I feel some pushback on that from our friends in maybe the southeast part of the country yeah. that want to go at all costs. And, you know, we'll see how that plays out. I, I wrote a story last Friday where the AD of South Carolina, Ray Tanner, uh, told his trustees, I don't think all the conferences are aligned. The subtext of that, if you read between the lines, is the SEC doesn't care. We're going, yeah. you know, if at all possible. But I think you can see that. I, I, I really think you can see if, let's say, seven out of the ten conferences are cleared to go, and maybe those located in other states aren't open yet, that they might go. That's how important that TV money is. And then a good follow-up from Scott Gerard, uh, uh, building off of those comments from Dennis Dodd. If a conference says they're going to go forward regardless, what does that mean for the schools and states with tougher restrictions? I just filed a story with Greg Thompson, the commissioner of the Mountain West, as I was intrigued by a quote he had in the Sunday San Diego Union-Tribune where he just kind of wondered rhetorically, you know, if if California isn't open, do we just go with nine? He threw it out there. He didn't answer it. Wow. But for him to say that, suggests it's been thought about. And I asked him about that directly and he kind of Jeez. he kind of, you know, walked around the subject because you don't want to admit that. But if you if you've got nine schools and California's closed down, what would it be? San Diego State, Fresno and San Jose. Yep. You know, do you do you go with nine? I mean, that's I don't know. Boy, keep an eye on this one, folks. It sounds like the SEC they're going to play. If if as long as the National Guard doesn't get in their way, they're going to play football. 
What does it mean for the Pac-12, though? What does it mean for the, as he mentioned, the Mountain West Conference? Craig Thompson, who seemed to back off that comment, probably should not have uh, made the comment. I'm glad he did because I need. We were. I'm glad for candid, open honesty. Uh, now I don't want people to run with it and say Craig Thompson says they're doing this. That's not what he meant. That's why you had to walk it back a little bit. But it's an idea, and it will be fascinating to watch if the Pac-12, Mountain West Conference, uh, Big Sky, whoever says to those schools in areas where the governor or the government, or both, <laughs> federal or state, are, are saying, no, nah, you can't do that here, uh, they're going to say, well, then you miss out on the season, but we're carrying on. Fascinating to watch how that'll play out. Sean Payton is a petty dude. Uh, this is, and look, I, I, we joke all the time here on The Zone that I'm really good at holding grudges. It's a joke. That I, it's a joke to some degree. Uh, the cartoon lambastic way out there that I carry around a list of people I have a grudge with is is an absolute joke. That's the that's the uh, joke part of it. But I don't quickly forget when people wrong me either. Sean Payton though takes it to a whole no, a whole nother level, uh, and this is of course the guy that ran Bounty Gate and got away with it. Uh, more or less. So it doesn't surprise me that he's doing something like this. But listen to this story from the NFL draft. So the Saints had some interest in a quarterback. Uh, what's his name? Tom, Tommy Stevens. He's a quarterback flex player, just like uh, Taysom Hill. Just like Taysom Hill. And the Saints had some interest in him. Well, it turns out most of their interest became came around because conference uh, division foe the Carolina Panthers had shown strong interest in Tommy Stevens to the point where Carolina had more or less told Tommy Stevens we're not going to draft you but we've got a sweet free agent deal waiting for you Peyton caught wind of this reached out to Tommy Stevens and his agent said we've got a deal for you as well it became somewhat of a little bidding war there to which Peyton finally uh, finally responded and said, it became my project, uh, Peyton, said Peyton, who said the Saints first offered to match Carolina's offer, a $15,000 signing bonus and $30,000 of Stevens' salary guaranteed. Then Peyton said the Saints tried upping the offer to $144,000 of the salary guaranteed. But Stevens and his agent Buddy Baker didn't budge because Stevens wanted to honor his commitment to the Carolina Panthers. That's a stand-up thing to do. Panthers only offered him 15000 30000 guaranteed, 15000 day one, 30000 guaranteed. Here comes the Saints in with three times that, 10 to, what, so 15000 to 400, from 15000 to 144000 And Tommy Stevens says, thank you, but I've already told the Panthers, yes. That's a stand-up thing to do. I don't know if I'd have the guts to do that sort of a stand-up thing to turn down $100,000. Well, the Saints decided... At that point, fine. You're not going to budge from uh, the Panthers, even though we're offering you a hundred thousand more dollars than they are. Peyton said, "Fine, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm tired of asking." He said, "Now I'm taking." And with the 240th overall pick, the Saints traded their 2021 sixth round pick to the Texans and took Tommy Stevens in the draft with their final pick, traded for it. Just simply so the Panthers couldn't have him. That is competitive. That is insane. That is this guy, this Sean Payton's a loon. 
That you don't trade a sixth round pick for a guy that may never be nothing just so that the other team can't have him. Oh, it's unbelievable, but a fun, incredible story. And I love these little peek behind the curtains type things after the NFL draft is over. As Sean Payton trading up, just trading into the seventh round so that he could get a guy only so the Panthers wouldn't have him. Phenomenal stuff. Here's a fun little thing I saw on Twitter. This comes from at Costelic Plan. K-O-S-T-E-L-E-C Plan. Costelic Plan. Don Costelic. He tweeted this out. When my dad became upset at the Cubs' performance, he would write to other teams offering to sign a contract as a free agent fan. Some teams wrote back to him, and here are some of their replies. And then he, he includes pictures of three letters uh, that were typed, obviously, on a typewriter and sent back to him from uh, three of the teams that his father had applied to be a free agent fan for. The Mariners is the first one. It says, Dear Donald, February 10th, 1981. Dear Donald, on behalf of the Mariners, I would like to thank you for writing to us and for offering your valued abilities as a baseball fan. In regards to your letter, I must say that we have the highest regard for the management of the Chicago Cubs. However, I also understand your frustration in following them closely over these many seasons. In trying to remain consistent with the Mariner philosophy, we are not in the market for free agent fans at this stage of our development. We are trying to develop fans through our system, which we feel in the proper direction for a club just four years old. When we reach the point that we are on the verge of going all the way, a fan with your experience may be what we need to put us over the top. At that time, you can be sure that we'd be interested in acquiring your services. Until then, we wish you the best in your career. We always appreciate top fans. Sincerely, Director of Public Relations for the Mariners, Randy Adamack. <laughs> the Mariners turned down his free agency fan offer. The Expos, same year, February 6, 1981. Uh, I think I understand your frustration, mainly because as a Cub reserve catcher off and on from 54 through 57, I partially lived through a few of those years with you. And to my chagrin, I did not exactly establish myself as a Hall of Famer. I wish I could say that I really contributed to the cause for which all you loyal Cubs fans support. However, if I also know anything about a long-time and loyal Cubs fan, you will not only remain one, you will withdraw from your free agency threat and rededicate yourself to the Chicago Cubs. The trauma you would suffer trying to pull, which you really could not do, for another club would imperil your sporting health seriously. Imagine yourself cheering for the Montreal Expos on the last day of the 81 National League season as the Cubs and Expos go into the final day tied for first place. Sorry, Donald, I can't accept your free agency offer. Sincerely, James Fanning, Vice President of Player Development for the Montreal Expos. And then I, so both the Mariners and the Expos said thanks, but no thanks. The Brewers, though, February 16, 1981. Dear Don, it is a pleasure to make an offer to a free agent that does not have to include a five-year guaranteed contract. While I am sorry to see you take your affections away from the Cubs, where some of my good friends work, we would be happy to have you adopt the Brewers as your favorite club. Actually, I'd be happy if you rooted for us in the American League and stayed with the Cubs in the National League, since it seems only fair that after all your suffering for two decades, you should still be rooting for the Cubs when they turn it around and start to have some success. In any event, the best offer I can make you is that the management here will make a concerted effort to make this club a championship one very soon. 
While there are no guarantees in this business, I think I can tell you that the 81 season will be an exciting one in Milwaukee and that you will have a chance to follow a lot of players with outstanding talents. This offer is open-ended and you may accept when you choose to do so. There is only one condition tied to the offer. If by any chance some of the Cubs' misfortunes the past few years are because of your association with them, then we really would rather you adopt the Yankees. Sincerely, Harry Dalton of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, Executive Vice President and General Manager. Ah, Harry Dalton, my hero. What an incredible response. If the Cubs suck because you're their fan, we'd rather you adopt the Yankees as your new team. Amen to that. By the way, Don replied later to all these with a picture of his father in Wrigley Field's clubhouse, standing, posing with the uh, World Series trophy. He stuck with the Cubs, he says, and in fact worked in stadium operations at Wrigley for seven years after he retired from his day-to-day job. Just phenomenal stuff. Baseball. As, as Brad Pitt said in uh, Moneyball as Billy Bean, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Terrific stuff. All right, we're going to leave you for the weekend with an amazing soundbite from one of the best people on earth, Frank Layden, uh, as Jerry Sloan called him, a treasure of a person. Both he and his wife, Barbara, they're, fan- they're great people. And uh, we are so blessed and kissed by the fates and God above to have Frank and Barbara Layden in our midst. They, they've remained Utahns. They live right downtown. It's incredible what they do for this community. And uh, he was on the big show to, and was asked to give a pep talk for everybody to get through a coronavirus here to stay mentally, physically sharp and how to do go about doing that. Here it is, Frank Layden's pep talk uh, for better days among while COVID still is among us. Frank, beyond the service that you were just talking about, um, you gave some advice about what people can do as individuals to uh, to take care of themselves and to keep physically and mentally sharp. Yes. Uh, can you share some of that? Sure. I, I think that that's very important. I think, first of all, you should look at all everything you can do to take care of yourself physically. All right. Uh, you know, I remember Jerry Sloan saying, you know, you got to be in shape. You got to be in good condition because if you're not, you're no help to us. So you have responsibility, uh, the family leaders and and uh, and uh, the mothers, the fathers, the the coaches, the whoever teaches or what have you to, to, to get in the best physical shape you possibly can. And then to prepare, uh, do all the things that you can do. And then let those things that you don't have control of take care of themselves. And, you know, it's, it's uh, knowing, knowing where the hospitals are, knowing that you're taking your right uh, vitamins, you're taking your right medicines, that you're, you're, you're exercising, that you're, you're seeing those uh, around you. You know, you know where the local hospital is if you have to get to it. Uh, you, you maybe check up on your neighbors, see how they're doing. Do they need your help? Uh, you know, it, it, there's plenty to keep you busy. Don't waste your time. And don't and don't sit around, you know, uh, feeling sorry for yourself, because uh, things could be worse. They could be a lot worse. 
So, you know, you got to hang in there and, and, and be tough and, and uh, make whatever kind of preparation you can. This is, this is a time, uh, you know, just in terms of taking care of you, yourself mentally. How about those books that you meant to read through time or great music that you wanted to listen to or, or movies that you wanted to see? This is a time to do those things. How about conversation, that old-fashioned communication skill, you know, just sharing with your children and your, your spouse and, and whatever it might be, you know, to, to, to be able to just talk and, and, and spend this rare time that we have together. We seem to be a country that we have to do everything in gangs. You know, the bigger the crowd, uh, the, the better it is, the louder it is. You know, even at the jazz games, you ever see, they used to have the bear used to hold up, you know, make more noise. I used to go, make more noise. I mean, you know, I think the thing is that why not be able to just reminisce about the times gone by, the wonderful times, those those harrowing times, maybe maybe when when there was a danger in your life or or what have you. And I look back at my own life and, you know, there, there was wars. I was in the service. I, you know, I never questioned it. I went. They called me. I went, uh, you know, and did the best I could. And, and uh, you know, you, you, you school and you're worrying about failing exams and the, and the girl who said no to you and, and uh, you know, whether you had the right color uh, the right color dress for the prom or whatever it might be. Those are things that you can look back on now. Recall Look at old pictures, look at old photographs, you know, and recall your life in the past and start to make plans for the future. You know, I mean, maybe it's go back to school. Maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, to go out and uh, visit some museums or travel to places that you never dreamed of. We're going to get another chance and we have to take advantage of it. But keep your mind going. Keep your mind going. Don't give up. Don't get down on yourself. And it's very important. And Gordon knows this because he he, uh, he he makes us laugh, you know, because he is a funny guy and he contributes have a sense of humor. That's how the Irish survived, you know, and I, I'm Irish descent, is that we've always had a great sense of humor and, and a lot of times been able to laugh uh, uh, when others have found it uh, necessary to cry. Hallelujah, amen, when's the revival? Reverend Layden, I feel the Holy Spirit, man. Thank you so much for joining uh, the big show, uh, my friend. And as he said on the phone with me as we were booking that that uh, uh, segment, he said, ah, it, it takes a pandemic for you to get me back on the show. And he's absolutely right. It's my fault I've not had him on the show more often. How can you not want to hear from Frank Layden? I promise we'll have him more often on the big show going forward. That's it for this week on the EP podcast. Once again, it's a Wear Red Friday. Grab something red, put it on, support everyone deployed. Uh, Remember, everyone deployed Red Friday. I will see you on a military Monday. Make sure you catch me on Utah Car Sense 10 to noon on Saturday uh, with Mark Miller Subaru's Jeff Miller here on the Zone Sports Network. Until then, subscribe to us, rate us, like us, share us. iTunes, Google, iHeart, TuneIn, Spotify, Zone Sports Network app in the on-demand audio section, 1280thezone.com slash ep-podcast. Find me on Twitter at Austin Horton or send me an email, austin.horton at 1280thezone.com. Have a good weekend. Be safe. Enjoy moving from red to orange, from high to moderate here in Utah, but enjoy so responsibly, and we will get through this together. 
be good, and as always, more importantly, be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> I'm sure that you have heard the name Aldalfo. A ladies' man who wins acclaim, Aldalfo. Well, lovely miss, I am the same, Aldalfo. I introduce myself. I am Aldalfo. Nice to meet you. Shall we? Not so fast. So just in case you didn't hear, Aldalfo. I'll try to make it very clear, Aldalfo. The lovely ladies always cheer, Aldalfo. When I repeat myself, I am Aldalfo. Understood. I can sing it high, Aldalfo. I can sing it low, Aldalfo. I can sing it very fast, Aldalfo. I can sing it very slowly. I do it now, but it would take hours. Now let us see if you can remember my name. I'll give it a shot. Now who's the fellow that you see? Aldolfo. And how should you refer to me? Aldolfo. And who is it I'll always be? Aldolfo. Now sing it proudly. You are Aldolfo. Now let me spell it out for you. For all you lovely ladies that didn't hear for some reason because maybe you are hard of hearing or something. I don't know. It goes... Ah... 